Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Thank you so much. Can I hear an amen this morning? Amen. amen. It's good to have you with us today. And today we're going to uh, build our uh, message around some questions today. And uh, I have some questions for you. The first question I do have, though, today is, did uh, anybody get engaged this weekend? Over somewhere. Oh, over here. Yeah, Jenny and Jared. Congratulations, Jenny and Jared. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting. And, uh, they are, they met each other at Calvin, uh, College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, uh, Jared's right now in Colorado, I believe. And Jenny's here working. So congratulations and the Lord's best to you. Talking about our, uh, heritage of grandparents today. Uh, I am uh, one of many here who uh, remember your grandparents, Jenny, uh, Dave and Ellen Kane. They were stalwarts of our church family. Uh, they impacted many lives, including me. I remember Dave was my camp counselor one year. He was our Sunday school superintendent for years, uh, served so faithfully. So when we talk about our faith story, uh, your family has a tremendous faith story. And uh, they'd be so proud of you today. God bless you and uh, congratulations to you. Second question I have for you today, or another question is, how are we doing in our memory verses? Uh, <laughs> kind of a collective groan here. Uh, isn't anybody going to say hallelujah, praise the Lord? Amen. Who said that? <laughs> Lauren. All right. <laughs> and... Um, so, uh, for the next few weeks, we have a little kind of space here between our series on David and be- before we start our Christmas uh, messages in the second week of December. We're going to take a few weeks and uh, revisit our memory verses. It's just kind of a reminder to you that we are still doing this, and no matter where you left off, we can finish strong, right? Amen? All right, we can finish strong. And so we're going to uh, resume that today. Finishing strong. Pastor Gary is uh, not here today. He's running the marathon in New York City. I believe it's today, is it? So be sure and watch the news tonight and see if Gary's picture's there on the front of uh, the last section. No. <laughs> I saw Gary I saw Gary run a marathon one time. About 10 years ago, he and Trainer had a race. How many of you were at that infamous race? Yes, down at Green Lake. Right by what we used to call the kiddie pool. I'm not sure what they call it officially, but they each started there and they ran around the lake, ran around all the way around and back. And the first one back won the race. I still can't remember who won the race. I think they both think they won, but uh, somebody won that. Oh, that's right. Thanks. <laughs> that wouldn't have been Trainer's wife, would it, that said that? <laughs> all right. Thank you, Tracy. Trainer, Trainer won the race fair and square. This has been a kind of a difficult week. Yeah. Uh, last Sunday morning, and uh, I, I know for those of you who might be visiting with us, I don't want you to feel disconnected from what we're talking about at all. You know, as a church family, uh, last week we had announced to you that our, our dear friend Betty Snow 
uh, 2.15 and 2.30 in the morning, was called home to be with the Lord. And then Tuesday morning, get a call from Lauren, uh, said her father had a massive stroke and wasn't going to recover from it. Dr. Roger Lindemann, uh, many of you got to know Roger the last several years, and um, I'm looking forward to being back in our new uh, remodeled facility. Someone here mentioned, hey, the windows are in. Yes, the windows are in all the way around, so we are moving closer, and uh, the sheetrock, the drywall is up and being taped and mudded this week, and uh, painting is going to begin so we are moving along. We'll be back in the sanctuary before we know it. And uh, but I was thinking it's going to be a little, it's going to be a little hard because the area where my family and Lauren sits and the snow sit, we sit kind of right in front of each other. When I'm not preaching, I'm with them too. And uh, Roger is there and Betty was there, and they aren't going to be there anymore. But uh, we know where they are, right? We know they're in God's care. They're in the Lord's care. And uh, we just, as a family, these are hard. These are hard things. Um, we celebrate engagements, we celebrate births, and we mourn but celebrate the resurrection. I don't want to use the word loss of someone because we haven't lost them. God God has them, right? And so we want to give the Lord praise for that. We continue to pray for Lauren, for you and your family, and Steve, primarily for you and your family. And this week, if you're able to attend the services, we invite you, as Kevin mentioned, the service for Betty will be here. Uh, Roger's service will be over at Sunset Hills in Bellevue. I know if some of you wanted to go, like Kevin said, let me know, and we can try to arrange transportation. So our question for today is this week's Bible verse. Let's take a look at it. And uh, what, so, so again, for those who might be visiting, we started last January uh, with 50 foundational verses that we decided as a congregation we were going to memorize together, memorize Scripture. That's something we don't do a lot of these days. And uh, so we've been doing that, and we took a little break. And if you're like me, you took a little break too, right? <laughs> okay, I'll confess. Um, so let's let's finish strong. This is what Gary's going to do today. Let's finish strong, and uh, let's let's say today's verse together. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command: love your neighbor as yourself. This is a great verse to, to memorize and uh, one that uh, parts of it should come pretty easy, at least the last part. So uh, let's see what we can do to memorize that verse. Let's pray. Father, as we just take a few minutes now to open your word, uh, it's a privilege, Lord, that we have to come and freely open your word. We know there are many people today who would love to have that freedom and don't. We do not take it for granted. And we pray, Lord, that we would not just open your word and read it and hear it, but we would allow your word to penetrate our hearts and would change how we live. And so in these next few moments, uh, we give our hearts to you and we thank you for your love for us. And we pray also for our children who have just been dismissed earlier in the service and the early childhood group that's downstairs. We pray your hand upon them as they also learn your word and share together. We pray this in Christ our Savior's name and all God's people can say together. Amen. Galatians chapter 5 and verses 13 and 14. Now, obviously, we're jumping into the middle of a context. That's the only one challenge about the memory verses. We are always jumping into a context. So part of what we're doing is trying to help understand that context as we learn it together. Last uh, year in Sunday school, uh, I taught a class on Galatians. and We spent two uh, semesters in it. And so uh, there's a lot here. But in, uh, so in verse 13, so the, the context here is, the big, the big picture is the Apostle Paul 
is dealing with those who have come to these churches in Galatia, modern-day Turkey, uh, Asia Minor in the Bible is called, and they've come to uh, sow seeds of discontent, that basically the big issue seems to be that, uh, yes, you're saved by God's grace, yes, you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, yes, you are forgiven for your sins, but you know you also must keep the Jewish law as well. And uh, this is causing division because you've got this, this, these early churches that are made up of Jews and Gentiles. And there is this division. And there are these factions starting to gather around this. And it's causing disharmony and disunity. And so Paul writes to these churches. And, and, and Galatians has some pretty harsh words, some pretty strong language that basically says, what's wrong? How have you so quickly slipped away from what you, what you came into the faith and the simple grace of God and faith in Jesus Christ apart from works of the law. And this is the context. And so the law is a big part of the book of Galatians as Paul deals with this. And so he says in verse 13, you, my brothers, you are called to be free. Free from what? You are free from the law. You are free in the Lord Jesus Christ. But do not use this freedom to indulge the sinful nature. So my second question for you today, or my next question, there's so many questions you got here. My question is to you, in this passage here, where Paul says, you are not free to indulge your sinful nature. What is he talking about here? What is this, what is this, indulge the sinful nature? Now, at first reading, we might jump right away to, oftentimes in the Bible, it talks of the lusts of the flesh, for example. Some of the sins that we could easily identify in terms of uh, sexual, uh, stealing, you know, um, uh, you know, money, uh, all these different issues that we, we right away jump to. We think of the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. And this idea of the, the sinful nature is a term that, that the NIV translation is used for the, for, with the Bible for the word for flesh, where, this, where the strands of sin reside in us still. We do not at our church, we do not teach sinless perfection. We do not teach you'll ever reach a stage in life where you are completely free from sin in your life. But we do teach that we should be living lives pleasing to God. And Paul clearly tells us we can have victory over lifestyle sin, right? We believe that. Amen? We believe that. But he does talk about the fact that we, the spirit and the flesh are at war against each other, Paul says. So what is he talking about here when he says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, the sinful Nature. The, the word here is do not make opportunity. It's actually a military term. It's actually a military term. You don't create an opportunity in your situation for the enemy to get taken advantage of you. Uh, don't make room for it. Don't make room in your life. Don't take opportunity for this. What is this focus? Is it lust? Is it these type of things we're talking about? Well, I think in this context, although that certainly is true, I think in this context, the key is actually in verse 15, which is the last verse of this section, if you will. You'll notice in your Bible, you probably have a paragraph break or a category or a title there at verse 16. So you notice at verse 15, where he says this, If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. I mean, think of those words, biting and devouring. That's strong language, right? Connected to that word um, where he says, indulge. 
these kind of appetite words. And so I think we might get the key here that when he says, don't indulge yourselves in, in the sinful flesh and nature, I think in this particular context, he is talking to these churches in Galatia about their tendencies to devour each other in, their, in, their, in the way they are dividing up, in the way they are talking about each other, the way they are treating each other, the way they are handling their differences. That there are, he says, listen, if you don't stop this, you're going to eat each other up. You can, these are strong words. If you, if you're so divisive, if you're so mean to each other, if you're so gathering around these different positions that you are going to destroy each other, I think this is indulging the sinful flesh, right? I mean, when we, when we think of sin, it's easy to run up the flagpole of things that are pretty obvious. But when the, when the Bible says, the apostle Paul says that, that greed, is idolatry. That's a little easier to hide, isn't it? I could be, I could be pretty greedy and, and, and hide it from you. But Paul says that's idolatry. I mean, you and I could do other things that, that right away people recognize, wow, that was a sinful behavior. That was a sinful attitude. That was a sinful thing to say. But there are much, there are many things that's much easier to kind of hide. And in this case, Paul says, look at, you are indulging the sinful flesh by the way you're treating each other. And if you don't stop it, you're going to eat each other up. There won't be anything left of you. You'll all be digested. I mean, these are words of eating and indulgence and appetite. That's the context where Paul is trying to, to write the ship here in Galatia. And that's why you go into verse 17. Then it goes into the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. And then he does go into many of these other sins that are obvious in the rest of this passage in Galatians. The danger in the Christian church community of tearing each other apart. Now listen, friends, I think we all know this is a permanent challenge. It's been with the Christian church from the very beginning. We know this is a, a challenge. And uh, I'm thankful for this congregation. I'm thankful for the compassion and the, and the unity that we have. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to change something that's going wrong. I'm just telling you this is the context to hear. This is always a challenge. This is our adversary's, one of his greatest tools is to, is to, is to get Christian communities pitted against one another. Um, we have different opinions. If we were to stop here today and, and talk politics, you know, we're going to be, oh, by the way, you should vote Tuesday, right? You should vote Tuesday. Someone said this morning, uh, if you don't vote, you're just giving someone else the right to vote for you. If you don't, if you don't vote, you should vote. We encourage you to vote and we encourage you to be involved. We encourage you to be informed. There are different opinions here. If I were to open this up for political debate this morning, you might be surprised the different opinions that we would have on different topics. We have different opinions on church and worship and style and uh, in the, in the, in the facilities and so forth. Uh, you might have a different opinion when all is said and done, but, but you'll get used to it. It's okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, you'll get used to it. And, uh, you know, we have different opinions and that's, and that's good. But when, when the, when the adversary, and I use that term because in, in the Hebrew, Hasatan, Hasatan is the adversary. We talked, looked at that last week with David, right? Uh, when the, when the adversary uses these differences against each other, it can tear up the Christian community. So this is the context of this verse this morning that we're looking at. So our, our, again, our verse, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your free, it's actually two verses, to indulge the sinful nature. Don't bite and tear each other up. Rather, serve one another in love. 
The entire law, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So my next question is, which is, I'm sure you realize, has already been answered from the Bible. Who is the other? Who is the neighbor? Who is the other person? Now, the context of this passage that Paul is quoting here, you have to go back to Leviticus. And if you go back to the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, and Paul quotes exactly the Greek translation of the Hebrew here in Leviticus from the Septuagint. In in Leviticus, chapter 19, which is right in the middle of all the various codes and laws of the Mosaic Code, of course, we know the Ten Commandments, but the, the Mosaic Law has social codes. It has uh, health codes. It has sacrificial and religious codes. And in the area of these, of these social codes, um, it's in this passage here, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18, where Moses writes to them, based on his what God gave him, do not seek revenge or... 1918, or bear a grudge against one of your people, one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Keep my decrees, the next verse says. So in this context, one might build the case that this is something specifically written to the household of Israel. It's like I might say to you as a church, Berean family here today, don't do this to each other. I'm talking to you, this community, this context. And so you might restrict this where he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And of course, this was written to the household of Israel. They are the neighbors. And in this passage, you will find other places like in uh, verse 16, where he says, do not go about spreading slander among your people. Verse 17, do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor, frankly. So this language of your neighbor could be understood that, yes, he is talking to the household of Israel and household of Israel only. However, throughout this section, you will see things like the end of verse 10. Well, actually, the entire verse, let's look at verse uh, 10. Do not go over your vineyard a second time when you're harvesting. Or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Meaning when you harvest your field, you don't, you leave what's left. If there's, you go through it once and the stuff that's left, you know, know, we we have raspberries at our house that we had just a great abundance this year. Got out of our car yesterday and noticed all these raspberries growing again. We forgot my son-in-law Greg gave us another variety of raspberries that bloom like all year almost, I don't know, except for wintertime. They keep coming back. And uh, here's these raspberries that are hanging over the fence now that are kind of left over from this last year. And so he says, you don't pick those. You leave those for the poor and the alien, those who are not part of your Jewish household, if you will. They are, they are, there were many who lived in the land. And there are several provisions in the law about how they are to treat those people. So you do get a hint here that this neighbor might be more than just a fellow Jew in the household of Israel. 
And so we go, of course, to the gospel. I want to, I think we should just read this and just be reminded. You know, and, and how the, how do the rabbis interpret this? It's interesting that we know that, you know, the, the golden rule to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I've told you this before, but I just want to remind you that the great Jewish teacher Hillel, Hillel was, an, there was a school of Hillel and the school of Shammai before the time of the New Testament, right in that time period when the, when the Jewish laws were being codified and written down. And Shammai was very legalistic. Hillel was more of a pastor's kind of a, a, a teacher. Incidentally, Hillel was the teacher of Gamaliel, and Gamaliel was the teacher of Paul, Saul of Tarsus. So he, Saul of Tarsus is in that family line, if you will, Gamaliel, Hillel. This is in the this is in the Babylonian Talmud, the Jewish Talmud. Once there was a Gentile who came before Shammai, a Gentile comes before him and said to him, "Convert me to Judaism. Convert me on the condition you teach me the whole Torah while I stand on one foot." Meaning, how long can you stand on one foot? Now, the older we get, right, the less time we can do that. So I'm not even going to try to demonstrate that because I'll be in your lap, Sherwood. Um, I used to have a young person come up and demonstrate that. But there is a limit to how long you could stand on one foot. Think of the whole Jewish law. Shammai pushed him aside with the measuring stick he was holding. Get out of here, <laughs> okay? The same fellow, this is in the Talmud, the same fellow came before Hillel. Hillel converted him, saying, That which is despicable to you, do not do to your fellow. This is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. Go and learn it. The Jewish rabbi Akiba, who was like the third greatest in this family, he called this the greatest principle in the Torah, to love your neighbor as yourself. So this teaching was actually a strand of teaching in Judaism. And it was debated. And so we come to the story in, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke, and I'd like you to turn it for a moment. You know this story. I, I'm a, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to assume anything. But you may have heard of this. If not, if you don't know it well, you probably have at least heard of it. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I, I think I'd like us just to read this. So, you know, we just need to read the Bible sometimes, right? You all know this, but let's just read it again. I don't need to make a lot of comment on it, but I would like us to read it. Verse 25. What chapter? Luke chapter 10. I'm assuming I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> that was about the same response as how's your Bible reading going? <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law, that is one of the scribes and the Pharisees, Stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Notice what must I do. What is written in the law, he replied, as Jesus says, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This man was from the school of Hillel. He understood this. This is what the, the rabbi taught. This is the greatest commandment. This is the most important thing. This is obviously he betrays, if you will, what school of theology he is from. He's not from the school of Shammai. He's from the school of Hillel. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. 
do this and you will live. That, that could have been the end of the conversation. But there was another question, see, because these Jews were living under Roman occupation. They were living under Roman oppression in their own land in Israel. But he wanted to justify himself. Well, that's interesting. What did he want to justify? He wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? So this is this is the question this morning. Uh, who is the other? Who is the other? In reply, Jesus said, and here's our story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. You get the impression, right, that they're walking on this side, they see what's ahead of them, and they cross the street and walk on that side. That's the impression that is given here. They crossed the road, if you will, and made sure they didn't have to walk by this man. But a Samaritan, who the Jews hated, right? They were worse. The Samaritans were worse than Gentiles, by the way, because the Samaritans were kind of half in the sense that they had corrupted the Jewish religion. They had their own temple. They claimed to worship the same God. They had their own priesthood. They were worse than Gentiles from a Jew's perspective. And it says here, the Samaritan traveled. He came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, disinfectant, if you will. He put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. And the expert in the law, the expert in the law, replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You know, it's kind of an interesting little twist on this. If you think about, if you think about this story, if you think about this story, the neighbor now becomes the the scribe. He says, he said, who is my neighbor? And in the story, it's the man who helped the other. He says, you go and do likewise. You're the neighbor. You are the neighbor. And so if you are the neighbor, he is your neighbor. And the man, we think he got it. We'll see. We don't know. The, the story ends and, and then we're done with him. But this is the man who becomes the neighbor. Listen, friends, this is a, this is obvious. But, you know, it's, what's interesting to me is not only in Galatians, but in Romans chapter 13, Paul inf- reinforces this whole principle as well. So twice in Paul's letters, twice in Paul's epistles, he enforces this well-known teaching of Jesus. Twice in this, in his epistles. We see in Galatians chapter 5, and then in Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding. In other words, pay your debts. If you have debts, you should pay them. You should be paying them off. And of course, we, we believe that. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. You can't pay this off. 
You'll never pay it. Don't ever think you've finally done loving one another. You'll never pay that debt off. You, you can't. You aren't supposed to. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you notice that the commandments Paul quotes here are all the commandments of the Ten Commandments that have to do with other people. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not cover, covet. And, what, and whatever other commandment there may be, they are summed up in this one word. In the Greek, it's the idea of this, this one command, there's one word. This is the commandment that matters. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So twice in the Pauline epistles, twice, you have this very strong reminder of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. This is the one, and it's, and it's interesting again, it's the one word Logos, it's the one word that summarizes all the other commands. So in this particular case in Galatians that we're looking at this morning, our passage from Galatians, it's interesting that while Paul has been talking about the negatives of those who are trying to reinforce the law, he turns things around and he says, the law is actually fulfilled or completed. The law has already been completed. The Lord Jesus Christ, you know, what did, what did the Lord tell his disciples? He said, I give you a new commandment. And my new commandment is this, love one another as I have loved you. By this will all men know you are my followers, if what? You love one another. You have love for one another. This is the new commandment. And so Paul turns the tables on this discussion of the Mosaic law, and he says this, the Mosaic law is fulfilled in this command to love one another and to love the neighbor as yourself. It's a universal agreement. This is an essential teaching of the Christian faith. We are to love the other as ourselves. My last question for you this morning, my last question then is, how do we love, how do we love the other person? You know, it's easy to talk about, isn't it? You know, what the world needs now is, sorry, that's this old song, Love, Sweet Love. There's another old song, but you'd still know it. Um, all you need is, do, 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 right? All you need is love, love. It's all you need. That's great. It's all you need is love. It's easy to love the world. It's easy for me to love the world. But that's not what we're talking about. It's not so easy to love my neighbor always. You know, the world's a big picture. The world's out there. That's fine. I can love the world. But the world that's next door to me or sits next to you at work or works alongside you in the shop or is on the same team you're on, or maybe it's a family member, right? Um, that's not so easy. It's easier to love the world than to love that other person. How do you do it? How do we love people rather than just talk about it? Well, I think the verse is, is pretty clear. There's, there, there's, there's the key word. Rather, serve one another in love. The Lord Jesus Christ, what did he say? The Son of Man came what? Not to be served, 
but to serve. This is the key. This is the ongoing work and commitment we have in fulfilling the law, if you will, the new law that Christ has implemented in our hearts to serve one another, which is simply put the other first and actively seek their best. Now, you, I want you to think for a moment about the one person in your life, one person in your life that, that this would be the absolute hardest to do for. Who is that one person in your life that's really the biggest challenge that you'd have to say, uh, I really don't want to serve that person in love. They don't deserve it. Well, I ask you, are they your neighbor? Are they the other or not? See, the man asked Jesus because he said he wanted to justify himself. He had something to justify. He was hoping Jesus would get him off the hook. I love what uh, James Dunn in his commentary in Galatians says. Let me just read this to you. The call to love the neighbor as oneself, it's the greatest commandment. That is to say, it is a call for practical love, a concentrated love, not a vague feeling for humankind stretched so thin as to be non-existent at particular points of need but one which utilizes the resources which one actually has in specific Jericho Road situations. And so I ask you and I, and I ask me today, when we think of our, what our Lord Jesus Christ said, remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I just want to challenge you today, my friends. Who can you serve this week? Now, I'm not asking who is, who is the easiest person for you to serve this week. I, I got people who are easy to serve. Where's the greatest test? Who is that other? Who is that neighbor in your life? that God has called you to love by doing, by serving, by using your resources, by sacrificing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else, even as Rabbi Hillelkot, is commentary. And the Lord reinforces. And the Apostle Paul twice reinforces this teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's our verse for this week. We printed out. Can you go find your little cards? You still have them somewhere? If not, we can give you something. And we each week we have it. Our memory verse for this week. Let's 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 put it back up here and let's say it one more time. Can you say it with me? You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather Serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'll bet you you already know part of it. Can you say that last one? The entire law is summed up in a single command. Your neighbor as yourself. You've already got 
33 and a third percent of that verse memorized. God bless you. Come up and let's close our service in our last song. Should we stand together? We'll take another try at our new song, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. I don't think I need to tell you that, as you all know, and we all hear every day, uh, what a divisive world we live in today. I'm not really so sure it's so much more divisive than many other times in even my life and think of our history. But I guess because of the way the media is today, it's just right in front of us all the time, right? And people get discouraged. You know, we have an, we have an opportunity. What a golden opportunity to be different, right? To be different. It's okay to disagree. You can disagree with people, but what an opportunity as Christians to demonstrate compassion, civility, love, and kindness, even in those disagreements. And we can stand out on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ to say, you know, there's a better way. There's a better way. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Why not? As I mentioned, you know, two dear people God called home within within less than three days from our church family. And I, I think of those two individuals, Betty and, and Roger Lindemann and Betty Snow. And I'll tell you, those were two of the kindest, gentlest people that sat in that church and sat in here. God gives us people to remind us it's possible. It is possible to be a kind person. Why not you? Why not? As we leave today, I uh, just also want to remind you that our building project, if, if you come into church tonight or if you just have a half hour, if you come about 5.30 at night, could use a little help moving a few things out of the library because the carpet's got to come up because Gunny's going to get new carpet in there. All right? You don't get to pick the color, but you are getting new carpet, Gunny, okay? <laughs> and uh, so I need a little help with that. If you could come over and help. And next Saturday is our men's breakfast, and we're going to be organizing a little paint party afterward. If you'd like to help with that downstairs, we'll put that in email this week. Uh, your chance to step in and, and help us uh, bring this to fruition. God bless you. Thank you for coming. All God's people can say it together. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Ah, it's tricky, didn't it? Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us and your goodness. Thank you for this congregation, Lord, and those who have come to visit with us and share in this ministry today. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we love you because you first loved us. We didn't earn your love. You chose, you chose to love us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so our prayer today, Lord, if there be anybody here who has never accepted Christ as their Savior and accepted His forgiveness for their sins, might they do so this morning? Might they understand that Christ came to this earth, lived without sin, died on the cross to pay for their sins so they could receive eternal life and be part of God's family? We pray, Lord, as we walk uh, this week with you, we just pray that not for our sake, but for your name's sake, for your name's sake, there'll be something different about our lives and that people will see there is such a thing as grace and kindness and mercy that we can show on behalf of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in his precious and wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen.